Hello, everybody. Good evening. Welcome to the Evangelical Dark Web. Tonight, we are going to be discussing the Republican presidential primary debate, debate number four, and we're going to be doing, by extension, talking about the race as a whole, you know, just where it's at, what it's going to look like, and just do some more analysis, questions and answers. Um, this is a live show. This is going to be a very interactive show. So, Feel free to comment in the comment section. And if you are a uh, paying supporter of Evangelical Dark Web, we do have a call-in link in the description below, and you can hop on the show if you want and uh, give your take. You just got to, you know, follow the rules that we have spelled out, and that's all it takes. So with that said, don't forget to hit the like button. And if you want to support us, evangelicaldarkweb.org slash join is where you can go to do that. So uh, without further ado, uh, how are you doing today? All is good. All is good. Been working on some big stuff. I take it you did watch the debate last night? Yes. I was watching it while writing the uh, speaker or the uh, Thomas Massey article. Now, that article, as soon as I saw that Breitbart ran basically an attack article against Thomas Massey, I'm like, okay, we're running this article today, meaning Thursday. And, you know, it's actually doing pretty well. Uh, all things considered, like usually sometimes it was like the junior article to the senior article is kind of how I frame it in my mind, but it's performing about the same. So I, I think it'll probably do pretty well. And naturally uh, and it, writing that article while listening to a uh, debate did affect my mood. <laughs> uh, what red pilling or something or just Nikki I mean, Haley or something. I mean, when the first hour was speaking about israel and just it wasn't a lot of or fair they spent a lot less time talking about israel in this debate than the previous debate fair enough but still while i'm in the heat of writing the article on on thomas massey taking shots at the most powerful lobbying interest in washington and then you're seeing the presidential candidates groveling at the same time it's just compounding everything just like ugh. It's disgusting. Yeah, I, I, man, I, where's the Christian lobby that 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 is as powerful as that lobby? So it looks. What are the three provinces? I'm seeing that chat come in, and yes, they're not technically called provinces in that in that area. They're well, called Dunbar, Donbass is one, right? Oh, uh, Donbass is one. Luhansk is another. Now I don't know which. I, I think Vivek's question was to just name three. If you can name three. Not that there's only three, because I'm like, man, if there's only three, is he talking about Kharkiv? Is he talking about Kherson? Is he talking about Zaporizhia? Like, which which three is he? Which three does he want? Because uh, Donbass and, and Luhansk are clearly two of that three. Crimea is not, and I guess, I guess we're gonna talk about that answer later. Uh, but yeah, it was a bad night for Nikki Haley. Uh, Ouch, town population, her bro. And I was kind of expecting it. Like to me, I wanted to see Ron DeSantis pimp slap her. And that is exactly what happened last night. Uh, now, he wasn't alone in doing that. Like Vivek was obviously doing it as well. Well, the tag but, teams were the same as the prior debate. Yeah. That I mean, dynamic is enti- was entirely carried over. Yes. I mean, apart so, from a couple subtle jabs from Vivek towards DeSantis, which were more more or less obligatory. It, yeah, it was obligatory, like you said, and otherwise pretty tame. Uh, 
But, you know, he's like, I'd go one step further than uh, uh, DeSantis on a policy thing. So it was one instance like that. Uh, I don't think. Well, he he, called him bootlickers. He he did call. Yeah, he did say he bootlicked Trump, which is ironic coming from Vivek. uh, Because he has been bootlicking Trump for like six months now. Uh, Even though his campaign didn't start out like that, then it became like that. But last night, that's not exactly what you saw out of Vivek. I actually thought he did really well last night. I mean, to me, he's the winner that was his of the debate. debate. That was, he was the winner of the debate. He did it, the best. He spoke my he spoke my love languages with many of his talking points. And you know, even if he's not genuine, he at least is speaking t- to the heart. There are some ways in which I do think he did extremely well. I mean, but on certain issues, he just didn't. He just doesn't have it as much. Um, I think the immigration issue, I thought Ron DeSantis actually talking about limited legal immigration. Whoa, you don't hear Republicans talk about that. Uh, and then on the transgenderism issue, Ron DeSantis is clearly the boss on that issue. I mean, he had basically. Vivek good... is at best the junior on that issue. I mean, he had the law. I was presuming the law. I know what you're talking about. Uh, We do have that clip lined up for everyone in the audience. I mean, there's multiple moments, but yes. Uh, But I did think that was Vivek's best debate. And I think it was his best debate because Vivek, I think, is more of an entertainer. And that was Megyn Kelly wanted to be an She wanted an entertaining debate. And that's what she set out to do. And that's what she did. Uh, and the other thing is, I think DeSantis got a little bogged down. Uh, obviously, he had Chris. I mean, he couldn't slap down Chris Christie enough or shut him up enough. So I think that's part of like it's kind of like a comedian with a, a funny comedian with a heckler just constantly going at him. and He's not able to just put it to rest. So I think that's that did take away from DeSantis's performance. So I, so I do think from a performance standpoint, so, DeSantis did not do as well as he should have. Uh, I'm going to showcase a tweet here. Uh, and that has to do with uh, poll, uh, some polls. Because let's actually talk about Chris Christie for a second. If I can find it, because... Come on, you can't miss him. Uh, yeah, he's hard to miss. And he made, that, he made a self-effacing flat joke, fat joke last night. And I thought that was hilarious. Um, but man, I can't. Okay, so it, it is from Jordan Schachtel, and it's this tweet right here. So Jordan Schachtel tweeted out election polls are a pay to play joke right now. Well, line it, zoom in even more here. Um, why was Christie so confident that he would make it on the debate spa- stage despite polling at best half the percentage needed? So the percentage threshold he needed was 6%. Looks like someone connected to his campaign paid their way to the fourth debate should the GOP allow it. So in it, we have an article uh, from The Hill uh, December 1st, Christy confident he will be on the debate stage. And then the fourth debate rules. Uh, so 6%, like I said, and then here is the RCP, uh, polling average. 
and you see that Chris Christie has not registered 6% in any of the polls that would be included in the running average. In fact, he just randomly doubled his support between the News Nation poll, News Nation being the host of the debate, and now uh, with the Trafalgar poll. And then the INI tip poll, he was at 1%. So that was the prior poll. But somehow he got up to 6% conveniently for the debate. Uh, my thoughts on the tinfoil hat, uh, you know, what do you think? I mean, I think the RNC probably wanted Chris Christie in that debate, regardless of the rules. So I don't think I don't th think there's a scenario where they would have kept him off. I mean, I think the scenario that they don't keep him off is if that poll doesn't get published, they keep him off. So are you saying it wasn't Christie that did it or? It I mean, it could be else? a combination of factors, but I, I do think they wanted him as the fourth man to lob a bunch of grenades at Trump because the RNC wants that. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm willing to put on my conspiracy hat on uh, Jordan and agree with uh, Jordan Schachtel's tweet here. I mean, no reason to really say that it's fake news or anything. Because I, I, if News Nation is paying to host this debate, because I think... Why the, would they sell it for free? On the street was it was $4 million for the rights. So if they're doing... Is that what Glenn Beck said? Yes, Glenn Beck said that. And $4 million. Yes, or that was the bidding price. So if there's a price to host the debate, then there's every incentive in the world to make it a little bit more lucrative on the partner's part. So I don't doubt that they're going to continue to allow Christie on the stage at the very okay. least because of ratings. Follow up on that. Uh, you said News Nation paid $4 million for this debate. Uh, with that said, which isn't necessarily a profitable deal given ad rates, but you know Amazon's willing to lose money on everything and still have football. YouTube's losing money to get the NFL Sunday ticket, and they charge $150 more for that than DirecTV did. So who knows whether they're willing to subsidize a loss, but so good on the RNC well, for demanding that. I don't know but who owns News, News Nation, Nation. did the poll, did a poll that found Chris Christie at 3%. You think they, if they wanted him, Chris Christie in there for ratings, they would have just bumped him up to six? I mean, and, and fudge that number. I don't know if it's really a television ratings thing because uh, they had their opportunity to do that and just didn't. So I'll let you have the last word on this. And then I mean, we'll talk it's, fair. Kelly. it's fair enough. I mean, obviously there's still plenty of time to, you know, work, fudge the numbers, but yeah. I mean, I, I, even if, even if he was like 4%, I still think they probably would have bent the rules. No, I don't think they would have um, because they don't want to bend the rules for 2%, 3%. Or they might have. I don't know if he's pulling well in New Hampshire or not, though, because I think Christie's entire plan is bet on New Hampshire. So I think his entire plan is to, you know, just stay healthy enough to get out, of, be able to get out of bed on your own. <laughs> but uh, with that said, uh, next subject I want to talk about is uh, Megan Kelly. Now, Megyn Kelly said that she was praying that uh, Chris Christie would qualify for the debate so she could roast him with that transgender 
you know, that grooming question that she laid on him, which I thought was hilarious. But uh, she wanted a, a different debate than what we've previously seen from fr- in the, uh, you know, two other debates. And that we certainly got. We got a much different debate. We, in fact, got a debate that was much more reminiscent of the presidential primary debates from 2016. Uh, am, am I wrong on that? Is my memory bad? It, you no, know, I thought a long time. I mean, or I 2012 even. I mean, Megyn Kelly's always asked it, asked very poignant, very targeted questions. Like she did that in 2016. Again, I didn't think the con- the question against Trump was unfair. The Rosie or O'Donnell question, right? Like, I don't think that yeah, was the question. One. Something about treatment, mistreatment of women, and that women was the Rosie Trump O'Donnell. Oh yeah, Rosie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I, I thought that was a good I don't think it was time. Like I didn't yeah, but obviously I think she kind of lost it after that and and she did good this time. I mean, I don't uh, keep quite... in mind, she also asked John Kasich about him attending a gay wedding. Yeah, and John Kasich Remember that? Much, uh, went pro homo. Yeah. And so yeah. I, she's always had that in her and she is talented. Obviously, she's doing well on the podcast ratings and she has, is the most prominent woman in conservative ink. And she doesn't even self-identify as a conservative to my knowledge. She just says she's center right or something, but she doesn't view herself as a conservative. She views herself as someone who understands all sides, I would say. But, you know, I knew she would ask questions like this. And I'm leaving the uh, poll th- polling thing up on the left because she does believe the polls are you know accurate and faithful and good faith attempts at trying to take a temperature of the room I she does believe that and i think that's the flaw in her analysis of this presidential election and you saw that in desantis's first question because again chris christie at six percent just randomly jumps I think that's a little shady. I think a lot of this is shady. Um, you know, the term psyop gets thrown around, probably not enough. Uh Candace Owens only recently. Candace Owens would be number two, I think, in, in no, terms we don't of want to prominent say, uh, women in conservative ink. The podcast ratings don't lie. Megan Kelly's number Cooper. one. We don't want to say Brett Cooper and some uh, no, Brent Brett Cooper's not. Uh she gets her like she'll get half a million views for. I don't even actually. I know why because well, you know people that want to be attracted to Ben Shapiro, but you know in a woman form, so they don't feel gay about themselves. I I think that's the logic, but I mean she's. Uh, a, I mean she's attractive. I'll, I'll admit it. I'm not. Hungry. She has a big nose, but a beautiful big nose. <laughs> uh, if you're into that, um. So anyway, uh, Megan Kelly, I think overall did the did a great job now i will say that i don't think they monitored they allowed probably too much uh interference or interruption she said she wanted that she said up front i was going to let the debate happen between the two between the two candidates let them hash it out i think it was a little too much that was the purpose of the debate i mean i thought it was a little too much and obviously, maybe that's just because Christie was very obnoxious and, again, did not belong on that stage. So yeah. the guy that doesn't belong being very obnoxious uh, is very, uh, I guess, unpleasant to the ears and the viewing experience. 
but I understand like, you know, there's, I mean, there's a saying in sports that's incorrect where, you know, a penalty in the first quarter is the same as at the end of the game when that's just not true. It's actually the opposite. Like you set the tone in the first quarter period, whatever the interval is. And then at the end, you kind of want to be hands off towards the end. And yeah, I, I mean, that might be the only reason you're a, you won the NCAA bracket that one year with the double dribble and the and in the game against Auburn. Well, I was still the, final the winner. Four. Still the winner. I mean, well, anyway, but hurt aside, um, Elon Musk tweeted that her campaign is dead, referring to Nikki Haley. So Elon Musk is a very good barometer for normies. I don't think he's, and who knows, maybe, yeah, and this is where, let's talk about Babylon B for a second. They missed their moment to really do a serious gospel presentation to Elon Musk. Because think of Elon Musk as Genghis Khan, right? Instead of Genghis Khan, it's Genghis Chad, maybe. Um, but Elon Musk, think of him like Genghis Khan. The mu- the Muslims got to him first, and he converted to Islam. Theoretically, if Christianity got there first, wow, how much different would history be? But it didn't turn out that way. And I think it is for lack of effort, at least in part, on the church. They, they got there too late. So Elon Musk. Should have been man of the Would year. Would he a, be a great asset for the church if should have been should have been Constantine moment where he converted? Should have been man of the year, except it was uh, Taylor Swift. Uh, you're right. He should have been man of the or year. Or Putin for sealing the deal in Ukraine, but sealing those two. The, sealing the deal? According to Nikki Haley, Hamas attacked Israel to help out Iran, who is helping out Russia. And, you know, they attack because of that. And I, which is ironic because wasn't Hamas fighting with weapons that they got from the Ukrainians? They were using American weapons. Well, how'd they get those? I mean, it's so certainly answer is either CIA directly or indirectly, but still CIA or Ukraine. Which one is it? Um, yes. You know, both those answers are bad. Like, you know, how does ISIS have all these weapons and how do they have such excellent co- coordination cia but um and and that's what the whole benghazi thing was about if you remember that from 2012 where the the ambassador died and what was going on was they were taking weapons from the libyan rebels that they armed and they wanted to send them to syria well who is the who were the syrian rebels in syria the islamic state so they were the main rebel group, them and the Nursa Front, which both of those are recognized as terrorist groups. But those were the only rebel groups in Syria that had any real legitimate claim to rebellion or legitimate movement, I should say, critical mass land holdings. So uh, with that said, uh, Elon's a good barometer for the normies. And I do believe that these are going to be in chronological order. So this was... Uh, the question that Nikki Haley opened up with that voters, not Nikki Haley, that Megan Kelly opened up with DeSantis on. And the audio in this is bad because they didn't do proper sound. Yeah, they didn't do a sound check on them. So it's like, whoa, telling you not no, but not now. 
So we have a great uh, idea in America that the voters actually make these decisions, not pundits or pollsters. Uh, I'm sick of hearing about these polls because I remember those polls in November of 2022. They said there was going to be a big red wave. It was going to be monumental. And that crashed and burned. The one place it didn't crash and burn was in the state of Florida. They weren't predicting the, uh, that I would win the way I did. And I won the greatest Republican victory in the history of the state of Florida. I'm looking forward to, to Iowa and New Hampshire. The voters are going to be able to speak, and we're going to earn this nomination. And here's what we need. Uh, I am sick of Republicans who are not willing to stand up and fight back against what the left is doing to this country. You've got to be willing to stand strong, and you've got to be willing to beat these people. I'm the only one running for president that has beaten these people on issue after issue. Uh, we beat the teachers' unions when we did school choice. We beat Fauci on COVID. We beat George Soros when we need for this country. And you have other candidates up here like Nikki Haley. She caves. Anytime the left comes after her, anytime the media comes after her, I did a bill in Florida to stop the gender mutilation of minors. It's child abuse and it's wrong. She opposes that bill. She thinks it's fine and the law shouldn't get involved with it. If you're not willing to stand up for the kids, if you're not willing to stand up and say that it is wrong to mutilate these kids, uh, then you're not going to fight for the people back home. I will fight for you and I will win for you. So that was the opening salvo by Ron DeSantis, and he came out the gate going after Nikki Haley. I thought that, that was, was a very good. Move. I thought um, that's exactly what he needed to do. He needed to pimp slap Nikki Haley, treat her like you would Gavin Newsom, because frankly, they are the same. Or I mean, she's just only, as bad, if not worse, because she wears your jersey. The only icing on the cake he should have added was a jab about Disney. And Nikki Haley's support of Disney. That's the only thing he could have added that would have been like a quick uh, if you wanted I'm to a throw a little turn on that. If you wanted to throw another punch in your combo, that would have been that I'm a little it. torn on that because him going after Disney was not the most popular move in Republican politics because of how pro, you know, we need to worship corporate America a lot of Republicans are. But I mean, I, I think people know you know, let the record stand for itself. Like that might not because his goal is to take away the Marco Rubio Republican that would be supporting Nikki Haley because Nikki Haley is probably going to have the coalition that hates Republicans. Um, you know, like whoever's supporting Chris Christie in this primary is eventually going to support Nikki Haley because they are a tag team on the stage. And then, Ron DeSantis and Vivek Ramaswamy are effectively a separate tag team on the stage. So we basically have two tag teams, you know, the conservative on the right and then the liberals on the left. Man, is that a coincidence? But that's the tag teams that you see right here on the stage. So I thought that was a very good opening statement. Uh, you get 90 seconds to answer a question. So he answered the question. And then made the points that he wanted to make, which included going right after Nikki Haley from the start. And then she got into she got bogged down with the issue of her, you know, war against the Anons. And as you know, we are friends of the Anons here on Evangelical Dark Web. A lot of people think that the Evangelical Dark Web Twitter account is anonymous. It's not uh, technically speaking, but. We love Anons here, and 
wanted to say that. So we don't have that clip lined up, I don't think, on the anonymous uh, thing. But her and uh, Vivek and DeSantis tag team her on the anonymous uh, social media users. So uh, you ready to move on to this next clip then? Yep, let's, let's do it. All right, so their investors are reportedly ready to lucrative corporate speeches and board memberships like you had with Boeing. Weeks ago, you met with Wall Street heavyweights, including leaders from J.P. Morgan, Goldman Sachs and BlackRock. Several other billionaire investors are reportedly ready to endorse you or recently have, all of which comes with expectations. Aren't you too tight with the banks and the billionaires to win over the GOP's working class base, which mostly wants to break the system, not elect someone beholden to it? Well, thank you. It's great to be here. You know, first I'll tell you, um, just to respond to Ron, I, he continues to lie about my record. I actually said his don't say gay bill didn't go far enough because it only talked about gender until the third grade. And I said it shouldn't be done at all, that that's for parents to talk about. It shouldn't be talked about with schools. In reference to donors coming on board, look, we will take support from anybody we can take support from. But I have been a conservative fighter all my life. I was a Tea Party candidate when I became governor. We opposed every single corporate bailout we possibly could. We passed tort reform. We passed one of the toughest illegal immigration laws in the country. We passed pro-life bills. We moved an unemployment from 11 percent to 3 percent. We took on the unions and we took on Obama when it came to the unions, the Syrian refugees and everything in between. And so I've had a fight. And so as much as Ron says that, that's not true. But when it comes to these corporate people that want to suddenly support us, We'll take it, but you can, they don't, I don't ask them what their policies are. They ask me what my policies are and I tell them what it is. Sometimes they agree with me. Sometimes they don't. Some don't like how tough I am on China. Some don't like the fact that I've signed pro-life bills. Some don't like the fact that I may oppose corporate bailouts. That doesn't matter. That's who I am. And that's why the most conservative grassroots group in the country, Americans for Prosperity, endorsed me last week. That is not the most conservative group in the country. Um, that part's a, entirely fake news. And let's just say that is a good opening question of her being of asking whether she would be beholden to special interests, especially you know the week of the Koch brothers. Boeing. Well, one of the the remaining Koch <laughs> brother that? endorsing her. I mean, she takes money from the or she's been on the board of one of the five families of defense contracts. Yeah, and Boeing, and she left after they had the worst decline in their stock, and I suffered major losses during her tenure on the board. Yeah. So I remember. My wallet remembers. So she was super qualified at that, I'm I'm very sure. So, uh, yeah, again, I I liked Megyn Kelly's question. I don't think she really sold... Uh, that she's not beholden to the corporate interest when you tout the exact policies that defense contractors want, like more war in Ukraine that America should be funding. You don't really win that. You, you can't win it when that's your position. Now, Vivek, you know, used Ron DeSantis of wearing high heels. So this is a Vivek's opening statement, and we're not going to replay every single clip from every single candidate but the opening statements i think are very important except for chris christie's his opening statement came like 20 minutes into the debate or something he kept having a watch on him when he spoke i thought that was pretty funny um used ron DeSantis of wearing high heels and told ambassador haley she should keep a closer eye on her daughter 
Can you see how this has led some to conclude you are not, in fact, a unifier and to question your authenticity? Megan, I think there's a time and place for everything. We need somebody in the White House who absolutely is going to be a fighter when it counts. And I did say that there were some good people on that stage in that third debate. Doug Burgum was on that stage at that time, and I'll, I'll say that jokingly. Ron DeSantis is a good person, too. I want to go back, though, to Nikki Haley's comment from earlier that she is somehow not responding to the will of these donors. Can I just pause? Like, wh what did he mean by Doug Burgum was on the stage at that time? Was he not on the third? He wasn't on the third debate. No, was he? he wasn't on the third uh, debate. I, maybe he's just misremembering. Maybe uh, I was confused by that at the time, and just uh, or no, he's he might be confusing Doug Burgum with Tim Scott, because Tim Scott was the odd man out in the last debate. Oh, because Tim Scott and Doug Burgum totally look alike because there's so they, many. They actually do. I've confused them, the two of them before, right? Really? How? I don't know. <laughs> now, Tim Scott at least knows what a woman is, yeah. and I would say Doug Burgum. Also knows what a woman is, but I don't really consider him in the race. No, but they're I mean they're both so they were both so unmemorable. That he doesn't remember. Yeah. That oh, it was it was Doug Burgum, or is Tim Scott not Doug Burgum? So Nikki, you were bankrupt when you left the UN. After you left the UN, you became a military contractor. You actually started joining service on the board of Boeing, whose back you scratched for a very long time, and then gave foreign multinational speeches like Hillary Clinton is. And now you're a multimillionaire. That math does not add up. It adds up to the fact that you are corrupt. And when I said they were bought and paid for, I meant the Republican establishment, not the Democratic establishment. Now you have Reid Hoffman, the person who's effectively George Soros Jr., funding lawsuits across this country against Donald Trump to keep him off the ballot, funding left-wing causes, we discover this week that he is one of Nikki Haley's largest supporters. Larry Fink, the king of the woke industrial complex, the ESG movement, the CEO of BlackRock, the most powerful company in the world, now supporting Nikki Haley. And to say that doesn't affect her is false because it's after that meeting later that day that she says that every American needs to be doxxed by having their ID, their government-issued ID, tied to what they say on the internet. So I think that this is far more corrupt than I even imagined when I entered politics. But I will say this. It is going to take a leader from the outside, with fresh legs, from the next generation to unite this country. Not the broken politicians who are puppets of the puppet masters, but the actual people in this country. Thomas Jefferson was 33 when he wrote the Declaration of Independence. I think it's going to take somebody whose best days in life are still ahead to see a country whose best days are ahead of itself. And I think I can reach that next generation better than anybody else in this race. Thank you. Response. Megan. Uh, okay. We don't have her response in the clip. But, man, is there so much that I want to talk about with that clip? This because... is why I loved Vivek's performance. And, again, I'm a harsh critic of Vivek. His corporate past and his, his foray into biotech is – beyond corrupt vivek or, doesn't even pass a two-year background check yeah just going back two years like this guy like come on what does he really believe but, but wow the opening salvo uh yeah let's talk about let's actually talk about the trump age thing that ron DeSantis was asked about in this because i think this is the time to have that much broader conversation because what he said about the end that you know you need a younger generation to lead um you think about the best 
leaders in world history, right? So you got Julius Caesar, Alexander the Great. He might not be the best, like, best, best, but in terms of, like, conquerors, yes, absolutely. Napoleon, who I believe was, you know, is the age that Joaquin Phoenix is when he died. So otherwise, he did a lot when he was much younger. Uh, And I'm trying to think. And he basically saved France from the, you know, uh, the guillotine and the French Revolution. So uh, any anyone else I'm leaving out? I don't know the ages of like, you know, Alfred the Great. I don't I mean, uh, Alexander the Great was or, uh, young. Constantine was probably young. Uh and then who else am I missing? But there's a lot of uh, you know, great world leaders that were not 80 years old. So when DeSantis was later asked about you know, do you think Trump is mentally competent enough to be president? It's like that's really the wrong question to be asking like is he is he the most optimal self that he is the answer is clearly no i think that's where he struggled and obviously he couldn't just shut down he failed to shut down christie on that moment so and again you you absolutely handled gavin newsom and you can't handle chris christie chris christie mike i i didn't you know that debate didn't exist until after this live stream last week ended so that's where i'm at on that uh, because it was happening at the same time. But uh, I didn't think that was the worst because at the end of the day, what is the what is the overarching issue? Is it that he would be declared mentally incompetent or is that, you know, and is that a question of right now? Or is that a question of, you know, January 2025 is that a question I mean, of think... january 2027 or january 2029 like what and i think part... that's what you have to articulate i think he and, just... and he did articulate that i don't think he did it well enough or maybe not enough. well enough but he could say for now he he could probably have started off by saying yes you know answer the question a close-ended question yes and then explain but i think he's lost a few a little bit off his fastball and we don't know how much decline is going to happen in four years. I think that's, I think he has to answer the close ended question yes or no. And then, and again, he did this on the foreign policy stuff. So this was a pattern of DeSantis not wanting to answer yes or no on a closed, on a closed question before going into the rest of his answer and his explanation. So I think he's, that's what I did not like about DeSantis's performance. I, I see what you're saying. I mean, Chris Christie was definitely one to call him out on that, but I don't think he'd be called out on that in the next debate because Chris Christie's not going to get 10%. And CNN has already said that they're not taking Rasmussen Razum, uh, and then Trafalgar. They're not taking those pollsters, which, you know, Trafalgar used to be really reliable, but they, they haven't been reliable lately. Uh, that's for sure. So they were really good in 2018. So, um, and I think that's right. DeSantis doesn't want to offend MAGA. And that's why you answered yes before doing your, the rest of your explanation and saying, but I do think he's lost a few. It's like, yes, but this isn't a matter of could he pass a test? This is a matter of, is he, you know, optimal condition and mental faculties? And the answer is clearly not like Trump is having 
Joe Biden type of gaffes. Now, maybe not the same level of gaffe. Like he hasn't said, put y'all back in chains yet. Oh, wait, that was before. Uh, that was when Joe Biden was just being Joe Biden. Like that was before Joe Biden's mental decline. He was saying that. But uh, that was before corn. You know, he's not saying corn pop, right? And, you know, hairy legs that the children like to play with at the pool. Or black people as a mon monolith than like Hispanics. And Trump is not saying that, though. Uh, but, you know, he, he's very proud of the uh, Black Lives Matter support that he's getting. Um, but, and I never actually remember, like, during the 2016 campaign, like, when David Duke or some sort of KKK leader wanted to do that, endorse, and they made a big fuss out of Trump not disavowing enough that type of support. But, uh, yeah, I... DeSantis has to be able to court, you know, the Nikki Haley, you know, Rubio support, and then also the MAGA base. That That is a tough needle to thread. And I think the way that he threads that needle is pimp slapping Nikki Haley. He needs to be the alpha in the room, pimp slap Nikki Haley. And that is his way of threading that needle, in my opinion. I still think you need to be able to emasculate Chris Christie. Yeah, I, I see that. I see that. Um, and again, that's something if assuming he qualifies for the next debate, they I, will have to not. he will have to like learn because Chris Christie's just going to be lobbing grenade after grenade at him. Yeah, because he's going to try to do to DeSantis what he did to Marco Rubio in 2016 in the New Hampshire debate. I don't think it was a New Hampshire or was it before that? But either way. It's not, I don't think it's going to work. And they got into like a legal debate, like they're both lawyers and they got into that legal debate about, you know, he'd be struck as non-responsive. Like, yeah, I, I don't think it would um, either, but because again, what is the real question at hand? You know, is an 80 year old going to be a great leader for the country? And I don't think like what 80 year old are you going to say? Yes about that with i mean generally when you say we're gonna you're making an exception when you say yes about that with trump yeah anytime you say hey we're gonna elect an 80 year old to be the leader whether or the king is 80 years old you're already thinking who's next in line for the throne not only that That's but you're also historically like true. a boy like there's two types of kings that are automatically seen as super weak david uh, no, I'll, I'll get to that in a second um the super old and the super young. So a boy king is naturally a sign of weakness for a nation because, that, you know, is he strong enough to defend the country? An old king, you look at the story of David in, in the Bible. When he was super old, who was actually running the kingdom? It was Joab. Now, was Joab a good guy? I mean, he was whacked on his way out. Uh, no, he was whacked by Solomon. Well, yeah, he was whacked during the transition. Yes, so Solomon takes over and he cleans up some, you know, dissidents. And Joab is chief among the dissidents because Joab was effectively running the kingdom while David was weak. Or one of the other sons, as well, or perhaps inclusion with them. Uh, who was the, the king? Sons. Who was the other son that wasn't there a civil war after that? Yes. There was a civil war in which Solomon had to ascend to the throne, I believe. But 
And then Joab was on the wrong side of that civil war after be, or struggle power struggle after being on the correct side of the Absalom issue. So and uh, David wanted to replace him as general, but he murdered and, and stuff like that. So Joab was not exactly a good dude. But if you want to you know, make a TV show about that time, Joab would be an excellent character um, if you wanted to, you know, not make the chosen, but make it a, dr a drama series of the Old Testament. Joab would be a very good character um, because he's interesting. But he was ruling because David was weak and he was so weak that he that they wanted to give him a bed warmer uh, that he didn't that he refused to sleep with. So that that was a sign of weakness. And he was like, what, in his 50s? Like he wasn't super, he wasn't 80, but the thing about David was, you know, he was ruddy, handsome, but I think he's the type of, if he were like a football player, you know how like a lot of football players just in their fifties and sixties don't have it because they've taken a lot of hits and bruises. I, I think that was kind of how David uh, was. So uh, Joab was the military junta. I think that's definitely one way to put it. He is listed on the 30 men, the 30 mighty men. And Joab took revenge uh, for his brother and could have damaged David. Yeah, I mean, he um, was basically yes. the guy with all the scandal. So yeah, so except for the Absalom stuff, he was and the uh, the Tamar stuff. So he he wasn't part of that. So I think Vivek brings up a good point, and he's also trying to run against corruption. At the end of the day, though, I think Vivek's problem is no one sees him as a president. Or authentic, even though, I mean, again, it's like seeing, you know, the sex worker as, you know, the hoe into a housewife, the sex worker. You don't actually believe all the stuff she's saying, but, you know, it sounds so genuine. And if you're but on it, YouTube, but it's an maybe, act. You're, uh, maybe you're uh, familiar with the Destiny guy. Are you familiar with him? Vaguely. Well, apparently, you know, his wife ran off with a Swedish dude after they announced an open relationship and now they're getting divorced. So uh, all, right? or they're going to be getting divorced. But yeah, you know, who could have seen that homie? But anyway, the thing about Vivek is I don't think most people see him as authentic. And I don't think anyone sees him as presidential. Like even the people that love Trump and think that he's the Trump standing on stage, which he was not last night. I think I mean, from know, an entertainment standpoint, he was, but not from a policy standpoint. Right. Um. He was not the stand-in for Trump last night, but he was. I thought that was his best performance, but I don't think that best performance is going to get him any votes. I don't think. I mean, he he won the gold medal, but obviously, I don't think it translates to the polls. And that's why it's not really winning. No, I think Nikki Haley's the objective loser in this debate, and I think it does translate to her losing support. She just got pimp slapped. She didn't hold up the scrutiny. She's a groomer. I mean, there's no place she won't send people to die. And she can't name the three all blasts in Ukraine. In eastern Ukraine, I should say. So, actually, let's talk about that now. Steel in Ukraine. Foreign policy experience is not the same as foreign policy wisdom. I want everybody at home to know that I was the first person to say we need a reasonable peace deal in Ukraine. 
Now a lot of the neocons are quietly coming along to that position, with the exceptions of Nikki Haley and Joe Biden, who still support this, what I believe is pointless war in Ukraine. And I think those with foreign policy experience, one thing that Joe Biden and Nikki Haley have in common is that neither of them could even state for you three provinces in eastern Ukraine that they want to send our troops to actually fight for. Look at that. This is what I want people to understand. These people have, I mean, she has no idea what the hell the names of those provinces are, but she wants to send our sons and daughters and our troops and our military equipment to go fight it. So reject this myth that they've been selling you, that somebody had a cup of coffee stint at the UN and then makes eight million bucks after, has real foreign policy experience. It takes an outsider to see this through. Look at the blank expression. She doesn't know the names of the provinces that she wants to actually fight for. And there's a puppet manager right there, the donors, the donors right there that are playing her like the puppet manager. So that's part one. I do have a second clip that was on. Now, this, this there is, is yeah. a lot of truth to what he's saying, just in the general sentiment that politicians make policy that they have zero insight to the, uh, I guess, aftermath of or the blowback of or even what, what they're even legislating. And I mean, think about all the congressmen that don't know how the Internet works. Yes. They're complete boomers in the and maybe even worse than boomers when it comes to technology. They don't know how the Internet works. And they're, they're, they don't even know how to tackle legislation. Yeah, they don't. They don't. What know. was that bill like several years ago? Like that was going to basically shut down the internet. Talking about SOPA? Was it SOPA? I mean, that was like ten years ago. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that was right. Stop SOPA or whatever was a huge issue back in the day. But and it's because all these congressmen don't know how the internet works. And I remember Ted Cruz. Uh, came up and basically was rejecting that. And that was one thing that made him stand out at the time. Rand Paul also. So that was a big deal back in the day. Uh, I do believe we have, yeah, this is part two of that clip. Uh, let, we learned, just learned something from Chris Christie. We learned on, three on, things. We learned three things right there. First of all, Chris Christie also doesn't know what provinces in eastern Ukraine he actually wants us to fight for. Chris, your version of foreign policy experience was closing a bridge from New Jersey to New York. Yeah. So do everybody a favor. Just walk yeah. yourself off that stage. Enjoy a nice meal yeah. and get the hell out of this yeah, place. Let, let when it comes to just <laughs> I like the good fat joke at the end. I mean, it, they're too easy to land. I mean, There's... the bridge thing was nice. Because that was his scandal, right? Yeah, and it's the most petty of scandals. I mean, that's that's literally like something out of a TV show of just how petty politicians operate. And they'll what exactly was it? I be, think I don't know something that it's called Bridgegate, right? Yeah, something about do uh, you? I guess manipulating construction or something to cause traffic into New York. I again. Oh, because he wanted to take a highway or whatever i don't even remember i just it, it's so petty the scandal regardless even though i don't think it was nothing ever became of it but i think they wanted to impeach him over it or something it, it's so petty but i just like the pettiness of vivek just slapping that down i mean i would have liked to don't block traffic joke if you really want to double up on the uh the foreign policy experiences blocking traffic on a bridge. Okay, so he's actually referencing what he did there because I don't quite remember I don't. the nuances of Chris Christie as governor. Um, so I don't think we have a whole lot of Chris Christie clips. Uh, 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 so I don't know if I have a clip of Chris Christie. Simping. I mean, there's but this nothing is right after he was simping. 
There is and he's nothing defending... worse or sadder than a male feminist. Yeah, it's pretty f- funny to watch. Now, Ron DeSantis is a very stoic guy, which I guess some people, some people who are childish and don't really deserve the right to vote, see that as off-putting. I mean, he is literally stepping back. So he's literally his body oh, postures. I'm just gonna let these guys. He he, he was smiling there, like he saw uh, you know a nice little grin. I mean, if anything, he when has to Vivek hold was back. Go- when Vivek was doing that, he he was grimacing there. It might be, like, yeah, it would be seen as immature. Stoic, uh, kind of guy, and he got a little, he cracked a smile out of that. And it's, it would be seen as immature on his part if he were seen giggling at, at Vivek just laying trow against. I mean, but he he was laughing there. It, it, I thought that was funny. So the whole all blast thing, and. Nikki Haley does give an answer after this, but it's the wrong answer. And this was a high IQ, high risk move by Vivek Ramaswamy to bet that she did not know. And it paid off because she gave a wrong answer because she said Crimea. Oh, let's also not pretend that she actually has foreign policy experience. Two years as the UN ambassador is not foreign policy. Experience. How much of that two years was learning the job, and then how much was offboarding? You casted votes in the UN. Okay, you basically a legislature that has no legislative authority. Okay, did you negotiate a treaty? No. Did you? I mean, were you representing America before foreign dignitaries? Not really. And I and I said at the time it was a complete downgrade for her to be a UN ambassador when you're the governor of a state with two years left. Yeah, I mean it's kind of ranks up there with uh, uh, man, Sarah Palin quitting. Yeah, Sarah Palin. There we go. Um, yeah, that's a throwback. So, with that said. She says Crimea. Crimea is not in eastern Ukraine. I would not consider Crimea part of Ukraine. It's part of Russia, obviously, and has been since 2014. Uh, it is not really, I mean, it's not on the front lines right now, but, you know, it's not like it's out of the war zone either. But, yeah, like I said, I did name, like, all five of the oblasts that, you know, Russia has laid claim to. Uh, U- Ukraine has made their war, part of their war goals they've made to retake Crimea. Um, but the five are Kyrgyzstan, Zaporizhia, uh, or is it Zaporizhia? I think there's Zaporizhia, the city in Zaporizhia is the name of the oblast. Uh, Donbass, which Donetsk, I believe at one point in time was the third largest city in Ukraine and Luhansk. And then Kharkiv is like, you know, just to wrap around, but those are the areas. And, Nikki Haley made the comment that, you know, Russia needed Hamas to attack Israel because otherwise they'd be losing this war right now badly. And it's like, has she been paying attention to the war in Ukraine? I mean, that's that's her being beholden to the interest, to the lobbying interests that want to perpetuate the war. So they need to actually say that the war is doing well. The Ukrainian counteroffensive failed uh, to achieve any meaningful results that was mostly focused in the zaporizhia uh front um the ukrainians are almost going are losing the battle of avdaivka right now 
that's going to be a major loss for them because that area has been fortified for nine years. So it's not like that area, they haven't invested a lot in defending that place. And then they already lost Bakhmut earlier this year. And it's not going well for them. They, they've crossed the Dnieper River into the here, you know, deeper into the Kherson region, but th that land isn't exactly, you know, meaningful or strategic. It, you know, so what what exactly are they doing that's working right now? Because uh, well, making money, are they, you know, winning this war? They are running out of soldiers to throw into the war. I saw. I don't know if you saw that video where the one lady is singing. Yeah, and the average age of a Ukrainian conscript is like forty over forty. And then that's not to include the children that they're, you know, throwing into the war either. Child soldiers, allegedly. Um, so no, they are not winning this war. It's not going well for them, and they don't have the manpower to keep continuing. So and it's going to be, they're going to be de demographically destroyed from this. And for what? Zelensky's the new Kony. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and for what is Ukraine fighting so that they can get the Donbass back? And it's not worth it. It's not worth America. It's not worth Ukraine. It, it's not worth it. But, you know, Nikki Haley says they're going to march through Europe. I don't see that happening. The history of Russian military is that they're large and ineffective that is russia's military history. you don't want to fight them right but they they win by scorched earth tactics and withdrawing or in the case of stalingrad the germans were better at long distance so they got up close they would sneak in get up close to you and then attack you because the germans were longer distance fighters Anyway, uh, that clip she got owned, um, that was a body blow dealt by Vivek. And Vivek is the guy to do that. Like, because here's something that's sociopathic, but you don't want to be the bearer of bad news. And I think Vivek was being the bearer of bad news. I think Chris Christie was also being the bearer of bad news when he's talking about uh, Trump and his it's indictments. Not he's being the bearer of bad news because let's just say, Chris Christie's right. Now, does telling people that bad news help you out politically? And the answer is no. Even if he's right, it doesn't help your campaign to be the bearer of bad news. And I think Vivek attacking Nikki Haley, similarly, he's being the bearer of bad news by exposing how corrupt she is. And I don't think it'll benefit her campaign um, or his campaign because he's not Trump either. Donald Trump, when he went after Jeb Bush and clowned him, that benefited his campaign. But Jeb Bush was also a puppet candidate. He was a paper candidate that yeah, Fox News. Yeah, he was News the Koch brother candidate. Fox News said everyone wants Jeb Bush to be president. It's like no one wanted Jeb Bush to be president. Stop telling us that we want Jeb Bush oh, and, to be president. And Jeb Bush was one of the early the early quantities as far as candidates, like you're predicting, Hey, this guy's going to run in 2016. Jeb Bush was one of the names. Cause I did a project in high school on, on the 16 election and trying to, and the premise was just name recognition of candidates at the time. And it was Jeb Bush was one of the candidates I selected for the project. 
So, yeah, and there there was no grassroots support for Jeb, exclamation point. Other than his last name. Other than his last name, and that was such a bad selling point. So, uh, like I said, smash the like button to help the stream out. Um, this is our next clip, right? Or the next clip is uh, my favorite. Yes, it, this is where we talk about replacement theory, not replacement theology. But I think the real enemy is not Donald Trump. It's not even Joe Biden. It is the deep state that at least Donald Trump attempted to take on. And if you want somebody who's going to speak truth to power, then vote for somebody who's going to speak the truth to you. Why am I the only person on the stage, at least, who can say that January 6th now does look like it was an inside job? That the government lied to us for 20 years about Saudi Arabia's involvement in 9-11. That the great replacement theory is not some grand right-wing conspiracy theory, but a basic statement of the Democratic Party's platform. That the 2020 election... I'm going to pause right there. I've already caught two strikes on YouTube for other people saying things. So I'm not going to risk the third. Um, so let's so, walk through that one by one. I mean, so I only have I have deep. zero active strikes on the channel, by the way. But I'm the deep not. the deep state, hundred percent true, especially with the GOP Congress going after the FBI. Obviously, J six that's been more or less proven to be an inside job. And you know, if you're listening to certain witnesses that were inside the Capitol that day, uh, such as Elijah Schaefer, he would say that they were corralling the people into select offices like Nancy Pelosi's office where there were journalists there for photo ops of the people. So, and that they were using tear gas inside Congress. That would be according to Elijah Schaefer. So we know that they were very prepared and the nine 11 thing. Absolutely true. And if you keep pulling on that string, it leads to some pretty dangerous places, but there is an active nine 11 lawsuit that Vivek has referenced. Uh, involved uh, whereby the victims of 9-11 are actually suing Saudi Arabia as a nation for their involvement. And obviously the great replacement, the fact that he dropped that on a national broadcast, that is the moment of the night of the most significant moment in this, in this particular debate. Now, one of the other moments was, what are you, what are your thoughts? Did you watch on rumble? Yes. Because of course you don't have cable, <laughs> but, uh, Neither do I, but it was on CW. I might've been able to get it, but yeah, it apparently was on CW, but as a guy, I just don't know what that channel is or where to find it. But, uh, with that said, but you know, they do air the chosen by the way, thus proving my criticism that they are a CW show. Just saying I, I won. Take that Dallas Jenkins. Um, but anyway, uh, your point on the replacement theory is, you know, spot on. Now, again, he's the only one that brings it up because, again, DeSantis kind of brings it up in a different way. DeSantis uh, uh, kind of pissed me off with how he brought it up. He's just like, you know, it was brought it, up in reference to the question that was asked, though. Yeah, but he's just like, you know, all this immigration in Europe and all you get is anti Semitism. It's like, really, really, that's the problem with the mass immigration in Europe. They, you know, in Ireland, they why don't get, you just say have that? kids? Yeah, the you know the stabbings, the assaults, the fact that you know they're a compliant populace that allows tyranny because they have zero you know dare I say blood and soil connection to the land that they live upon. There you say. So therefore, they will be very much 
avenues of tyranny or conduits for a regime. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, that, that answer from DeSantis was awful, but Vivek with that answer right there is what DeSantis should have said. I do have that question lined up, though, because here's the thing. Where is DeSantis's weakness? It's the boomer cons. That is true. And so his, who but, does he need to win? The boomer cons. But his so, foreign policy was weak all last night as far as whether he would commit troops to both Israel and Taiwan. So I do have this clip. I'm just using Blaze TV clips because they're in chronological order. It, his answer on this question wasn't nearly as bad as Nikki Haley's. Because she just came off as full boomer. We're harvesting. If there's Zuckerbucks, we're Zuckerbucks. We're. This isn't actually the clip. Uh, let me actually find the clip. But uh, actually, in the meantime, let's talk about Nikki Haley's big moment. This the audio on this is bad. We really do need to ban TikTok once and for all. And let me tell you why. For every thirty minutes that someone watches TikTok every day they become 17% more anti-Semitic, more pro-Hamas based on doing that. We now know that 50% of adults 18 to 25 think that Hamas was warranted in what they did with Israel. That's a problem. We so uh, your thoughts on her statistics? I mean, she's in, uh, yeah. She made For, it up. Yeah, I, I don't know what she, again, China is using TikTok obviously to indoctrinate our people, but that's mainly because of, of uh, they want feminism and sexual degeneracy in our culture. They promote that through TikTok, as has been but look what's happened. at length by lips of TikTok. So the idea that, oh, they're, that China wants to use TikTok to make people anti-Semitic just makes me want to beat my head into a wall. And... No, they want us to be de sexual degenerates, fat, lazy, and addicted to short-term, uh, like the most, I guess, goldfish-level content that's ever been created in the history of humanity. So, uh, Ashu Obfuscation asks, are you both uh, more pro-Trump or pro-DeSantis? And that's a chat for four dollars and 99 cents thank you very much um I, i'm definitely in the pro desantis camp i don't really necessarily hide that i mean i haven't put a banner you know you know endorsing desantis on evangelical dark web as a ministry i don't think i'll do that in the primary unless you know maybe things get really bad who knows but um but me personally absolutely am in the desantis camp uh i'll let you answer for yourself I mean, yeah, I would probably lean to Santos just on results. I mean, again, I think his foreign policy positions are still a large question mark. And that was re-emphasized last night. Uh, because, again, I don't know whether he would commit troops to Taiwan, which, again, I'm not willing to die for Taiwan. Um, and obviously he is, I mean, you can be Catholic and dispensational as well. And Santos kind of fits that mold. But obviously, it's uh, I not. I, I've met someone who fits that mold way more than DeSantis does. I'm sure. But 
And again, but at the end of the day, Trump's entire presidency was more or less a failure, except for the Supreme Court justices, which he still picked like the three worst Supreme Court justices that would have overturned Roe that he could have. If you were dissecting possible combinations in the multiverse, then he yeah, my Yeah, my problem with the Trump justices would be he didn't pick the first or second best justice on the Supreme Court. He picked the third, fourth, and fifth best. You know, but on the other side of that, he did get a good farm system for which the next Republican president can pick better judges. But I mean, that, his, that's undeniable. But I mean, from an ec- economic standpoint, Kavanaugh, Gorsuch, and K- Barrett are not great justices. And we shouldn't pretend that they are. But I mean, so yeah, you picked the three worst justices that possibly could have ever turned Roe. Um, his economic policy was a disaster. And, you know, it's first day, last day is the only metric that matters. And that was a drastic disimprovement. I mean, again, his presidency was a failure. He gave Fauci a medal on one of his last days of office. So, I mean, presidential commendation. I mean, you're really like hoping that Trump will actually just be burn it down. Like, you know, vendetta. I wish he was the dictator that, you know, he's been labeled. But, yeah, I wrote an article at the time, like minutes to the Rubicon, because I wanted Trump to cross the Rubicon. I wanted him to be Julius Caesar, but American. I mean, I think it's Arne, he wasn't. I think it's Aaron McIntyre that says uh, Trump is fishing in the Rubicon. Yeah, I mean, I would like to say that Elon Musk is skinny dipping in the Rubicon. He doesn't want to cross it, but he'll skinny dip in it. He's noticing at least. A so bit sometimes. I, so we're still waiting for someone to actually cross the Rubicon. And so, DeSantis has not crossed the Rubicon just yet. You didn't like this answer from DeSantis. I didn't think it was that bad. Uh, here we go. It's not just terrorism, though. That's important. But look what's happened in Europe. You have more anti-Semitism in Germany than at any time since Adolf Hitler. Why? Because they imported mass numbers of people who reject their culture. Europe is committing suicide with the mass migration, and it's illegal and legal. Uh, Nikki Haley said the other day there should be no limits on on legal immigration, and that corporate CEOs should set the policy on that. There needs to be limits on immigration, and we should not be importing people from cultures that are hostile. So, for example, I said with the Gaza, you had some of the the, the squad wanted to import 300,000 people from the Gaza Strip. I said, no, we're not taking anyone from Gaza because of the anti-Semitism and because they reject American culture. So we've got to get smart about this. We cannot let the United States be like Europe. So the question that proceeded that had to do with the issue of anti-Semitism, which, you know... I'll let the pagans and the pagans fight each other. That's my view on that as an issue. I didn't think that was as bad as an answer. The fact that he turned that question into, again, also talking about replacement, also talking about uh, Europe and what mass migration did to them and how legal immigration isn't just a, a positive good for a nation without restrictions. Yeah, Yeah, when you're writing the article about Thomas Massey fighting and representing America first, that's not an American first answer. That's not a, you know, Ireland first answer. (laughs) Like, again, it goes back to the, you know, Congress is getting viral clips of them confronting the Ivy League presidents. But it's just like, okay, who funded the Ivy League education? Who's the donors that perpetuated the 
cultural Marxism on the campuses that then turned around and uh, affected a certain group. And at the end of the day, that those students that they're admitting that are the victims of these attacks are not going to even vote for you and if they're even eligible to vote. So it's like you're helping people that are never going to return the favor. And you're talking about by trying to wield anti-Semitism as a on the, cudgel college, to... yeah, on the college campuses and all that. And again, DeS- I agree. It's not going to win us any votes. And DeSantis won using fighting on critical race theory as an issue. But here's what he did do there. And he used this as an opportunity to talk about a real issue, which was unchecked legal immigration. That pushed the Overton window. Most Republicans think all legal immigration is good and there shouldn't be a limit just as long as they come in legally. I mean, Nikki Haley. Illegal immigrants, if they just came in legally, would be great for this country. I mean, Nikki Haley is. The mindset of most boomer cons. I mean, Nikki Haley's backed by Coke, who is the embodiment of cheap foreign labor. Yes. Like even like that uh, was Adam McKay with the campaign with Will Ferrell, and that movie was had the Mach Brothers, which were the, the campaign. Par- yeah, which were Not the parody the of the Koch brothers. Right. Ironically, they had a stolen election in that uh, movie, and they wanted to import uh, using Chinese, and they want to import cheap Chinese labor and have uh, made in America, but it was like a town in China called America. Yeah, I mean, I I thought that was an interesting movie. It's like, wow, this same guy is just, he made an overtly conservative movie that tried to go after, what was it, that Hillary Clinton court case, Citizens Citizens United United. versus Hillary Clinton, which was about a documentary about Hillary Clinton. It was an anti-Hillary Clinton documentary that... The Supreme Court was absolutely right to say that they could make a documentary about Hillary Clinton, that that is free speech. So they were absolutely right about that. And then that has broader application as far as, you know, legal precedent goes. But that's who Nikki Nikki Haley Haley is as as a candidate. Yeah, I mean, she is their horse in that race, for sure. So, uh... A shoe obfuscation doesn't believe that we're supporting supporting the uh, right horse. I, I get that. I just hey, look. I uh, see three paths that DeSantis can become the nomination. Uh, the nominee. Uh, one of them is that Trump drops dead. I just you know he's old, so just you know not wishing for that to happen. I just think that's a possibility, not the likeliest possibility, but still. Um, Trump goes to jail. I think that would be number two. Uh, if he goes to jail, I think it's game over for his can campaign. I, I think a lot of normies aren't going to vote for a convicted felon. And then number three would be he could just be beaten outright. You know, he loses. I, Trump loses Iowa, and then from there, it's a it's a domino effect on DQ a number on, of other races. Is Deke disqualified from the ballot on number option number two? Option number two, he would be disqualified from the ballot, but there's also a, a large critical mass of Republicans that want to win. And if they believe that Trump can't win because he's a convicted felon. Now, again, I, I'm not going to be passionate about the primary until, well, because Maryland's votes doesn't actually count for the 
for Hulk can I, I think it's it too will, late. It's too late in the process. Is Maryland matter. winner take all? Because I don't remember. I believe it is. But Maryland has predicted every winner of the primary. Yeah, because we're that late. I mean, we're I think yeah, we are that late. We're so. in we're in May. So the primary is probably going to be over by the time we vote. So I'm not no point in getting passionate myself. And again, DeSantis has to win both New Hampshire and Iowa or it's game over. I like don't think can't... that's true because a convicted felony would basically mean that this could get drawn out to the convention floor. Well, yeah, but he would not have the upper hand on delegates. I think a lot of delegates could change if they realize that he's not Trump's not going to be on the ballot in a number of states. But they're not. They are released after the first ballot or whatever. But again, I think he I think DeSantis, it's a domino effect if he doesn't win those first two. He will lose South Carolina and pretty much everything. I don't there. know if he has to win New Hampshire. I would say he does. But I think mm-hmm. Iowa is a must win. Or at you least you've got to come in within two points or something. No, you got to actually slide. win. You got to win definitively with some knockdowns on the scorecard. It can't just be you beat Trump by one point in Iowa. That's a fluke. It's not a you. That's that's like yeah, you won the title fight, but you know you're gonna really need a rematch. Uh, I mean, I think Charles says it here. The woman of both sexes will not vote for a convicted felon, regardless of whether the charges against him are legitimate. The 19th Amendment was a mistake. Now, jokes on you. Jokes on you. They might fornicate with said convicted felon, but they won't vote for him. They might. Um, They'll have his baby. They'll be his baby mama. So I I, I think there's a large part of that that's true. But who do Republicans need to win? They need to win the people that show up on game day. And the people that show up on game day aren't going to vote for a convicted felon. And I think, you know, the unique Trump voter doesn't show up on game day in off-year elections and who's to say that they're going to show up in game day in this primary who's to sh- say they're going to show up on game day in the general election in 2024 so you you see the rural vote is underperforming in the republican party you saw that in 2023 you saw that in 2022 especially states like pennsylvania the rurals did not show up well i mean i do think pennsylvania is kind of like a michigan in terms of their republican party but you know where are the votes being you know found in, and that these questions matter. So uh, you didn't like that answer. I I thought that that was a way to thread the needle to that pushed the Overton window on the immigration issue. I thought so. Even if you didn't like, how I mean, to he me, did it, it's just it's the same. I mean, it's, it's the weakness of DeSantis that he is very beholden to certain interests, and, and I think it's because he's trying to. Again, he wants to appeal to every part of the Republican Party. It's not necessarily a corporate interest. It's a, I'm trying to build a coalition interest. Which, you know, that that happens. So let's talk about debate winners. And this is New York Times. All right. Let's, uh, this gem from the New York Times, your thoughts. They have Chris Christie at first place, and I guess this is an out of 10 ranking, 6.6 points, ranking first. Nikki Haley at 4.9, ranking second. This is dramatically worse than her 6.3 average. Uh, Ron DeSantis at third with 4.3, and then Vivek at four with two, which seems to be a higher percent. I don't know, like... 
So this is the New York Times saying that despite all odds and perception, Chris Christie won the debate. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, that's probably reflective of the New York Times's reader base and audience. I mean, of course, they think Nikki Haley or they think Chris Christie won because he white knighted for Nikki Haley. In my article this morning, I said the the white knight too fat to sit a horse. Yeah, I like that. I know. I got it thinking of, uh, was it Walter Manderley? Right? I, I don't remember, but I I understand the reference. You understand the reference. There's a line in the book about him being too fat to sit a horse. So uh, that's what I was using there. Um, but no way was he the best performer in that debate. This is clearly a liberal. Uh, and obviously campaign. you can see they had Nikki Haley first place in the, the three previous prior. three debates. Like what yeah. debates were they watching? She is insufferable. As and Mike Pence effect. second place in the first debate. Mike Pence? Really? How does he go from second place to last place? How does that happen? And Asa then Hutchinson is last, last place in the first debate. It ain't bad ain't bad um so um then we have uh this poll out of this is the same poll that we've been using for the past three debate streams uh this is the link to the poll this is the uh washington post ipsos poll last time i said i didn't like this i didn't think this poll was very valid or reliable i will maintain that again this time as well so you had like audience expectations here uh, and Nikki Haley had slightly higher expectations than Ron DeSantis. Chris Christie had low expectations. Um, and then this on the Y column is how did they do? So no one did very good or excellent. Everyone was just a little above average here or below average. These aren't very really reliable. Uh, yeah, not, not very useful for data um, in, in general, but I don't I mean, know. if anything, it's saying, you know, they performed at almost as expected. Right. So uh, I'm going to pull up the tweet now because this has the numbers on it just so we can understand the percentage. So perform best to worst. So. Um, performed best. 30% said Ron DeSantis performed the best. 7% said he did the worst. Nikki Haley, 23% said he did the best. 9% said she did the worst. Chris Christie, 19% said she did the he did the best. 31% said he did the worst. Vivek Ramaswamy, 16% said he did the best. 37% said he did the worst. And then the, the others um are six and four and then six and eleven so um this had twenty six hundred and eight people respond i don't know what the response rate was oh wait n equals how does n equal both seven sixty three and twenty six oh eight i don't know that's two the different samples yes two different samples overall so I guess this is before the debate, after the debate, no, follow-up. And it's saying that every candidate except Christie lost favorability. 
Christie gaining two points. I mean, nowhere to go but up, I suppose. But does that really make sense? Uh, and then our net favorables is still Trump plus 29, DeSantis plus 28, Haley plus 21, Ramaswamy minus six. That's the lowest I've seen his favorables. Christie minus 27. That still seems a bit high. Uh, your thoughts on this poll already? I mean, it's not what I wouldn't expect, obviously. I mean, again, I would say Ramaswamy performed the best in that debate, but obviously his polarizing uh, grenade lobbying, lobbying was, you know, it does have blowback on him as a person, his reputation, that he's just a uh, a shock jock in a sense. But, you know, that's why I think he performed the best. However, again, DeSantis, as far as who's who is the most presidential on the stage, who's the guy that you know you would mo- most likely vote for, you know, for who's the best showman, then that's Ramaswamy. If it's who's the best politician on the stage, yeah, obviously it would be DeSantis. And again, Nikki Haley is going to have twenty percent of Republicans that are just communist and no different than the Democrats, but they have an R next to their name. Yeah, and for years they controlled the party. And that's the scary part. It's literally 80-20 rule. So, oh, except in reverse, right? Yeah. Or, well, 20% we has 80% of the power. Now, they don't have 80% of the power anymore, except maybe in Congress. The House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate are like the last vestiges of rhino control in the Republican Party. They're losing the governors um, little by little, but they're still losing them. And then they've pretty much lost the state and how state legislatures. And that's where Republicans have really shined in, in this country, I would say. So when people say the Republican party is no different than the Democrat party, the state legislators are the ultimate disproving of that, but they're the farm system for future Congress uh, men and senators and maybe even presidents. So my thought on that, but yeah, this is Washington Post Ispos. I I don't see how it makes sense that the 30% that said that DeSantis did the best, who are they saying did the worst? Chris Christie? Um they might say Haley, but well. Yeah, predominantly Chris Chris. Okay, Christie. the sixty the 16% of people that said Vivek Ramaswamy did the best. Who are they saying did the worst? They might predominantly be Nikki Haley did the worst. Okay, so we still at the end of the day have a 4% discrepancy, which I guess could be made up in the don't know, skipped, or none of these. That's pretty odd that the or DeSantis, the DeSantis. Vivek, because they were a tag team on the debate stage. That adds up to 46%, but the Christy Haley only adds up to 40, so that's like a six-point discrepancy. And then on the flip side, the Haley, Chris Christie, um, 23 plus, is 42. And then DeSantis only has seven, and then 37, so that almost adds up exactly. Uh, So... So are just the DeSantis voters that nice in this poll that they didn't say Nikki Haley did the worst? Because I don't see 
how that would basically be, you know, one in four, right? Um, of the DeSantis, Vivek Ramaswamy didn't have an opinion on who did the worst in this debate. That doesn't make sense to me. Because the answer would be Chris Christie because I hate him the most or Nikki Haley because I think she objectively did the worst on that stage last night. No one had any expectations for Chris Christie. He was kind of just there being a white knight simp. So something's fishy about this poll just based on that result. I think this poll is cushioning Nikki Haley. Well, I mean, they've all been doing that lately. So that's been the, the trend for Washington Post and whoever else you've been using for the last couple of streams is very much a uh, a rhino fest as far as the poll, polling data goes. Right. So that is about it as far as the polls go. Actually, I do believe I had one other clip that I from the debate that I didn't share. And this is actually one of the most important clips when it talks about uh the issue of nikki haley or the topic thereof as a uh, sign no i don't have the sign clip so we're gonna go all the way back here this is nikki haley when she launched her camp republicans try to play the I've preached this to the left, but it's even worse when Republicans try to play the same game. We're talking about that trans issue. And Nikki Haley's campaign launch video sounded like a woke Dylan Mulvaney Bud Light ad talking about how she would kick in heels. At the first debate, she said that only a woman can get this job done. That's what she said. After the third debate, when I criticized Ronna McDaniel after five failed years of leadership of this party and criticized Nikki for her corrupt foreign dealings as a military contractor, She said that I have a woman problem. Nikki, I don't have a woman problem. You have a corruption problem. And I think that that's what people need to know. Nikki is corrupt. This is a woman who will send your kids to die so she can buy a bigger house. This is the problem. Using identity politics more effectively than Kamala Harris is a form of intellectual fraud. And it actually needs to end. There's our donor puppet masters wielding their puppet right up here tonight. This is how this game is played. The puppet masters put up their puppet, and I reject the use of identity politics in this party. It has been a cancer coming from the left, and I'm sick and tired of the double standards the people of this country are too. Having two X chromosomes does not immunize okay, you from thank criticism. You. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Governor Hale. Again, clips like this were why I was very pleased with Ron Swamy's performance overall. I mean, again, I'm not even sure I fully agree with everything he says, but yeah, Nikki Haley's pretty much played the okay. idea. I, have I was definitely China. wrong about th- that not being the clip with the sign. <laughs> but I mean, he, she's been, I have a vagina, so therefore I'm qualified this entire campaign. She is the most yeah. woke candidate in the race. Growing up brown in a black and white world. And, uh, you know, my heels are ammunition, whatever that means. So, I mean, it's been constant. Yeah, I mean, it, it's basically her entire campaign. Now, again, I, I disagree with the, you know, the, I mean, I think all politics is identity politics and all politics is tribal. So I don't necessarily, the problem is that the Republicans don't want to appeal to the identities that are, that make up their party and that actually vote for them. They want to appeal to the big tent and acquire more people 
instead of just acknowledging that, hey, I, you know, if politics is identitarian in nature, you must appeal to the voters who will actually vote for you, which would be the working class, the middle class, parents, because, you know, married people vote Republican. And that's what, again, that's what DeSantis proved in Florida is going, you can appeal to, you know, parents, families, and win their vote. That if you're fighting for the for better schools that aren't grooming their children, that that wins votes. Right, and the votes that Republicans need to win are the independents. And it's also, you need to not alienate people that should be voting for you. So basically white people. Yes, um, and that's an identity. Yes, it is an identity group, so... Uh, and again, who did Trump lose? He lost white men and white women. He lost between, so many whites between 2016 and 2020. And, you know, he wanted to win black voters and, you know, you would have had, and again, I said it before, he would have had to have dropped hard R's in order to perform worse with black women. Like he got 5%. Like you can't do worse than 5%. Can you, unless you try. And again, if you also appeal to men, then that will have a trickle down effect into, you know, Hispanic men and black men. So, I so mean, yeah, you have to be identitarian in your approach. So I'm going to find the clip. Actually, I think I have it right here. So here's the clip how hypocritical Ron continues to be. When he was running for governor and they asked him about that, he said he didn't think bathroom bills were a good use of his time. You can go look that up. I signed a bathroom bill in Florida, so but that's obviously no. not true. <laughs> so the idea that you would say that I, I was against it, that. You didn't. You killed it. I signed it. I we stood didn't. up for little girls. You didn't do it. And there was this going on. I was actually just in South Carolina. Some of the legislators told me at the time there were boys going into the girls. That's the there whole reason not. why they no, did no, it. No, 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 no. And so they say when she does that explanation that that doesn't hold water. And this is the upstate of South Carolina. Ron, I signed the bill. I protected the girls. Do you know South Carolinians? She did not do, do you know it. South I know that. <laughs> and this shows how. So she tries to say at the end that South Carolinians are so tough, they would never let male perverts into women's bathrooms. Now that is some fake news. They elect Lindsey Graham for crying out loud. I mean, the problem is she didn't have a receipt with her about whatever DeSantis said in 2018. So I don't actually know what she's talking about. And again, she's not the one that, or she's the one with the viral clips circulating that day going into the debate, not Ron. I mean, in 2018, this was not a popular issue, but it's not popular because Republicans just caved on this issue. And it's a shame that they caved on this issue so much, but. Yeah, I mean, literally, if you go back to 2018, you had like. 2016, 2017, they had the bathroom bill in North North Carolina. Carolina. You had, uh, obviously, I think, Christina. Mike Pence bowing down to the gays in Indiana. So we have a lot of this, but that was a body blow to Nikki Haley. She got called out for um, basically supporting transgenderism because she does. We already did a video on that on Evangelical Dark Web. And DeSantis basically went with what I did in the video, which I I mean, I, I'm not original for that. I mean, his campaign's messaging has already been on that issue. 
basically painting her as a groomer, which she is. She supports child abuse. And there's no real if ands, or buts about it. It's what she believes. And that's why she's no better than a Democrat here. So um, my thoughts on that. Um, I'm going to find the Megyn Kelly uh, Chris Christie clip. See, there's so many more clips from this debate than the previous debates. Yeah, I mean, again, there's a great clip about from Vivek again. Uh, you know, you're Indian, but you can't even pronounce my name properly. <laughs> I liked how he just oh, threw, that, threw that in her face. So this is also from Benny. Uh, I, I really should be saying his name better because Vivek is how it's pronounced, but not. I, I keep saying Vivek, but, you know, I'm not overly. I at least know I'm doing it wrong. And continue to do it anyway. So does that make me worse? I mean, he didn't get his short his name shortened to Rami when he came into America. So there's so this is the Chris sign. Christie part. He said that you got into this race just to stop President Trump. All right, no, that's not it. So that that's where he was about uh, getting in for Trump. I, I'm trying to think where was the. So Megyn Kelly wanted to ask Chris Christie this question. So I think this this is our clip right here. Transgender students. Those you talk about parental rights. Let's talk about them. When you were governor in 2017, you signed a law that required new guidelines for schools dealing with transgender students. Those guidelines required schools to accept a child's preferred gender identity, even if the minor's parents objected. Sure. And it said that there is no duty for schools to notify parents if their son or daughter changes their gender identity, allowing this serious issue to remain a secret between the school and a child. No. How is any of that pro-parental rights? By the way, that's simply not true. You're doing what you accuse me that's of, simply, Chris. It is absolutely that's true. That's simply not true. That's simply not true. That law was put into effect in 2018 and regulated in 2018 before I, after oh, I was out of office, Megan. No, it, no, we did not, Megan. We did not issue yes. those guidelines, no. and you're wrong about that. Simply wrong. I have stood up each and every time. So I think if this is one issue choice, that's disqualifying, on. it's this one. I, I stood up. So here's some more context. Chris Christie also signed legislation that banned change therapy. So he's a groomer. Yeah, and when he was governor, it would have been a time when the especially the change therapy stuff would have been big. Now again, you know, living in a blue state with a rhino governor, you know, you know supermajority legislature. Guess what? Maryland signed those exact same laws under Larry, Larry Hogan, Hogan supports grooming as well. And guess who News Nation had on a panel? They had Hogan. With yeah, they had Larry Hogan there along with uh, Mark Sanford, who. Is a super, who's a liberal that ran against Trump in 2020 in the primary. Uh, if you recall that, Trump ran against Mark Sanford and uh, Joe, Joe Walsh. I mean, the Walsh guy sounds familiar. but Yeah, he in 2016, he basically said, if Trump doesn't win, grab your muskets. And then in 2020, he's running against them because he went super liberal. Yeah, yeah, I mean, life comes at you fast, right? Rhino like, governor in blue state signs laws on transgenders. Yeah. And again, Luke, same thing. Larry Hogan's law was a, like a school mental health thing, which would have had the same provisions that, you know, 
that schools can school guidance counselors don't need to inform parents that they can essentially give mental health services without parental and, and oh without parental consent and or informed so uh more of the clip every single time for parents to be able to make the decisions for their minor children but parents every single time parents should make those decisions and by the way you know what every once in a while parents are going to make decisions that we disagree with but the minute you start to take those rights away from parents you don't know that slippery slope what rights are going to be taken away okay. next and what they're going to be have, on as you. a parent you do not have the right to abuse your kids this is cutting off their genitals this is mutilating these minors these are irreversible procedures uh, and this is something that other countries in europe like sweden once they started doing it they saw it did incalculable damage they've shut it down i signed legislation in florida banning the mutilation of minors because it is wrong. We cannot allow this to happen in this country. And, and I know Chris disagrees with me, and I think he has an honest position. Uh, Nikki disagrees with me. She opposes the bill that we did to ban that. She said the law shouldn't get involved not. with it. You said the law shouldn't get involved with it. She also, though, I think... And this That's a very subtle way of calling her a liar there. <laughs> you know, Chris, I don't Chris is honest about disagreeing with me. Nikki Haley's not. Is, is that what he said there? Okay, I, I just I wasn't sure if it's just like that's an honest position. I don't like. I yeah, thought that, he like, contrasted Chris Christie with Nikki Haley. There, he's like I mean, Chris he, Christie at least is honest about disagreeing with me. Nikki Haley's not, but he's absolutely right. The facts absolutely demonstrate that Nikki Haley's lying here. Did that video yesterday? This is flows from what she did as governor of South Carolina. You know, they had a bill to try to say that men shouldn't go into girls' bathrooms. And she killed that bill, and she bragged that she killed that bill. Even to this day, she bragged that. I don't think men should be going into little girls' bathrooms. I think it's wrong, and I think we have every right to protect them from that. So that preceded the previous clip, but I think that's all the clips that I really want to show. And it is DeSantis's standout moment of the night. And to me, I think the transgender issue is huge because if we can't, that that's reality on the line there. I understand like replacement theory is a huge issue, which again, he did touch on that. But if we lose on transgenderism, if the Republican Party keeps and embraces transgenderism, it's it's basically game over for us. We haven't quite crossed that threshold yet, and we're pushing back against the threshold Right now, hopefully we can go from protecting children to protecting adults and, you know, recognizing that you don't have the right to, you know, doctors. No, they, it's well, at the end of the day. If a doctor not, does that, they're harming patients. Yeah. At the end they should be allowed to do that. Actually medicine. Doctors right. practicing medicine is one thing. Doctors practicing grotesquery is a different thing. Right. And that's why it should be illegal. So, I mean, we don't practice feet binding in America or, you know, a bunch of other, or we don't make eunuchs or other female like, genital mutilation. Yeah. We don't, we don't practice that for a good reason. doesn't matter if a doctor does it or not. We, uh, no, we don't do that here. And the same has to be the case for transgenderism in the future, if not in the present, but you know, uh, if that's, you know, if we have to do a smash mouth incremental approach to get this outcome, so be it. But doing no harm is exactly the standard for medical care. So 
that's the point that Republicans need to argue more. But I get protecting children is probably the p- argument that wins votes more. So uh, that is basically the rundown of the debate. Uh, anything else uh, on the primary race that you think needs to be brought up? I mean, I would have liked the discussion on Taiwan to not be as uh, war hawkish. I mean, again, I, I don't think China is actually going to invade Taiwan. I just think China China doesn't need to invade. China what, bluffing. Yeah, China doesn't need to invade what they think is already theirs. And let's be honest, why go to war when you can just buy them for a much cheaper price? And you could just subvert their democracy. And let's be honest, if you just ran ads in Taiwan talking about America bringing gay marriage to the Taiwanese, then, you know, China can win the war for the price of an ad campaign. Yeah, I think that's a valid criticism or a valid point. I would like to point out, when was the last time China fought a war and won? I mean, they stand. Their civil war? They stood off the Soviets. Uh, the Maoist, no, the nationalist, are uh, see the Chinese fell or the Japanese fell to the Soviets. They were getting just steamrolled in mainland China. Well, no, but they had a border dispute with the Soviets. So they, which, you know, was why Nixon opening China, you know, made geopolitical sense in 1970. But they didn't, they had a border dispute, but did that break out into a war in which they got no, steamrolled? Or it, did, it, it didn't didn't do anything like that. And obviously you might be able to say that they by proxy uh, won Vietnam. Right. So they've participated in a proxy war. Um, They also fought in the Korean war. Yeah. They lost. They didn't uh, necessarily win that. Oh, I mean, they lost more soldiers than any other country in that war. I mean, so did Russia in world war one and two. And Mao lost his son. Fun fact. So the last war that they fought and won was the Chinese Civil War, in which the Maoist won, but still, uh, oh, they lost to Vietnam. So did they try to take over Vietnam and it didn't work? Um, and where is when has that ever been done before? Oh, you know, the Mongols and other entities try to go down there and it just doesn't work out too well. Um, Again, I don't think, I think, you know, the idea of the whole, but as I was going to say on that point, Taiwan exists because China didn't finish off the nationalists. The, the communists didn't finish off the nationalists in the Chinese Civil War. That's why Taiwan exists. That is where the nationalists fe- fled to, uh, similar to the Ming Dynasty. They fled to Taiwan basically to operate in exile. So, but I mean, again, I. It did seem like all the candidates were kind of ignorant on that point. I don't, again, I don't understand why defending Taiwan is of any, you know, value to America other than cheap stuff that comes from Taiwan that we, in theory, could make in America, but we're too lazy to, or the government doesn't want it, or we shipped those jobs overseas decades ago. And, you know, as someone who wishes that America was the empire we're accused of being, like, because, you know, the British empire was pretty based back in the day. But as someone who, you know, I wish we were what we were accused of being, but I don't view us invading Afghanistan as imperialism. It's the opposite because, you you know, under imperialism, you're actually controlling that nation. You're not sacrificing resources and then letting those resources go to China. The natural resources in uh, Afghanistan are under Chinese control and influence. So that's not imperialism. 
um, you know, Christian nationalism is really just a stepping stone to Christian imperialism, right? Uh, and, you know, taking the Great Commission elsewhere. And that's what happened in history with the British Empire and even America up to a certain point. But so in in that retrospect, with respect to framing the issue that way, you know, the Pacific, America has always wanted to dominate the Pacific. And I believe America should dominate the Pacific. Uh, what exactly that looks like with, you know, Taiwan, I'm not entirely sure. But you, I am much more on board with defending Taiwan because we, in part, got into World War II because of our defense of the Chinese nationalist. That America was always a friend of the Chinese nationalist. And then after World War II, in the end of World War II, we abandoned them to the Maoist. We didn't help out our ally. So, and then Korea happened as a direct consequence of that. And which is why one of the reasons we went into Korea was to make up for our mistake and not helping out the Chinese. I mean, so, I, mean I, I just think that the landscape is drastically changed, so... I mean, again, India, I mean, we've kind of that, you know, the, we're never going to land the Indian uh, bride, so to speak. We're, you know, she's never going to say yes because she's in she's in bed with the bricks. I mean, obviously, I don't I don't think China thinks they need to fight a war to win Taiwan. Again, they're very long term oriented versus Americans only thinking about the next election cycle. So, again, I don't think the Chinese are going to fight a war for what they don't think they need to fight a war for. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't trust the Chinese military prowess and I'm not familiar with the Chinese war doctrine is like the Japanese, they had a war doctrine. Like the Japanese did not attack merchant ships, which was pretty stupid. They weren't big on doing that. America was the Germans were, um, but the Japanese were not big on doing that they sunk under like i think they sunk under 300 merchant ships in world war ii that's very low all things considered and what they wanted to do was get the navies to engage in a decisive battle and win that battle that happened in midway it didn't work out for them but you know and for most of black bear might begin to my point that they're a paper tiger i think that is also true i mean i do agree with that general um, point they have a demographical nightmare on their way as a result of the one-child policy. So their window to strike is closing, I would argue, uh, because they don't have it. But then again, you know, what better way to even out your man-to-woman man population than sending men off to die if you want to be cynical about it? But their birth rates also collapsed as well. So... There's a lot. So I don't know what the Chinese war doctrine would be because, again, when was the last time they fought in a war successfully? You know, throwing mass amounts of numbers. That seems to be the video games. You know, the video games have an understanding that China will just throw a massive amount of numbers at it. Um, and, and yes, they do have nuclear weapons. But, you know, so does Russia, but they didn't resort to using them yet. And neither... I, I don't know how willing they'd be to use nuclear weapons uh, for Taiwan. I don't think they'd do it for that. I, I think a lot of nations see nuclear weapons as a last resort if they're losing a war. Not if they 
haven't successfully acquired an offensive territorial land grab. My opinion on that. Yeah, I don't know how it translates on a debate stage saying I don't think China has the cojones to invade Taiwan or nor is it their in their interest. But again, like everyone wants to project strength and saying I will defend it. It's just like, no, we all like either, you know, which which means they're either going to be war hawking on China, which or war hawking for Taiwan against China, which, again, I don't think is the right call. But but again, I don't think they understand the landscape where China is probably not is if they're the paper tiger, you know, we're saying they are. They're probably not going to actually invade. And again, I don't think that they need to. Because, again, if you have like a 50 year plan and you wait, you know, how many years to get Hong Kong? Why not wait 10, 20 years to get Taiwan? And another good point is, you know, Taiwan could strike coastal and the coastal and dams and China would go back to the dark ages, which I guess is a good reference to their bad military infrastructure. So, but again, uh, does Taiwan actually, would Taiwan ever want to do that? I don't think Taiwan necessarily has the balls either. Well, I don't think I question their balls too. It's not testicular fortitude. That's the question. It's actually their desire. Cause again, our, what, how much of their government is in bed with the CCP? Yeah, that's a fair question. Especially since last night they're referencing gun control legislation in Taiwan. Yeah, I mean, and that was so, a ridiculous. That was a ridiculous question. So, anyway, uh, last call for questions. I'm going to plug evangelicaldarkweb.org/slash/join. That's where you can go to support our Patreon-like system. Um, Patreon. We use Patreon because uh, we don't use Patreon. We build our own, and. Because they censor and we don't want censorship. We're trying to disentangle from big tech as much as we can. So that is a good place you can go to support our work. Um, and it also helps keep the lights on around here. You know, streaming software isn't free these days. Neither is running a website, a ministry. But more than that, uh, we do also have a uh, upcoming book, Winning Not Winsome. And if you're a zealot, class subscriber you can get a free copy but that is something you're going to want to look forward to um other than that uh don't forget to smash the like button on your way out and subscribe if you are new uh have a blessed day and we will catch you on the next one this is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design the kind of experience you can only find in a lexus suv a feeling this empowering is invite only Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.